Have you struggled to get everything done? Have you looked for every trick to be more productive? How much do you really understand about how productivity really works? This is Crushing the Clock, a podcast where we explore the nature of productivity so you can actually get back your time and energy, making a difference in both your personal and professional lives. New and veteran entrepreneurs alike may have a continual struggle with closing deals. Part of this reason is because we're good at doing the work or making the widget more than we are at working the sales process. It can also be nearly impossible to build the right habits and routines with all other obligations. It's even harder when you're jumping from one time zone to another, especially in the day and age that we live in where online businesses can easily thrive but it gives us the opportunity to be able to reach people across the country, across the world. And there are different issues that come up with that, but with the right mindset and the proper training, it's not impossible. All it takes is sheer motivation and proper rhythm. And so today we have Desmond Dixon with us. He's a sales recruiter trainer, and he's the host of the campfire capitalism podcast. He helps business owners and entrepreneurs make more money in terms of revenue while traveling the world. He joins us today on Crushing the Clock to talk about creating small micro habits that will help you be able to get real results in the area of sales. We're going to look at things like laws and compounding, what it means to have one interaction, how to be able to make value, how to find traffic, and going the long game in the relationships that you're building. There's a lot of different things that we're going to be talking about. So stay tuned as we jump into this conversation with Desmond Dixon. I'm a sales recruiter. I'm a trainer. And essentially all I do is help business owners and entrepreneurs really just make more money in terms of revenue and then get the right people in place to really help them scale their business, scale their revenue, you know, with the appropriate offer and and structure there. So that's pretty much what I do in a nutshell. I'm doing this all while traveling the world. And so, you know, I was really big before I left on like running every day because I was training for like ultras and marathons and I was really big into holistic wellness. So like meditation and like acupuncture and yoga, like all those things were a big part of my life. Not growing up in Southern California, but living in Southern California in my adult life. And so when I started traveling the world, you know, I preach a lot with the guys and and really train on like creating these like small micro habits and really getting into a flow that helps you compound over time, your results over time. And I was struggling with that with my own rituals because you're jumping time zones. You don't have your normal things around you, like um, your gym and the normal classes you go to, the the normal things you eat. Mm -hmm. So it's been like putting all these things together, man. It's been a very interesting journey over the last six, seven months. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard enough for people that are staying in the same place and basically have the same schedule over and over to be able to sometimes implement some certain habits. But yeah, when you're moving around, then it all kind of goes up and down. We're getting ready to go on vacation. And so it's like every day is going to be different. We're going to be a different place, different time zone in some cases. And so it'll be a thing where it's like, okay, all our normal habits are going to be changed because we're not going to be doing those, but what are things we can be able to do? So is there an example of something that was like one of the more difficult things for you as you started traveling to be able to implement? Obviously this one little thing led to issues in all my other things like habits, business, my personal life. And it was the sleep schedule, man. 
right? Oh, like, yeah. Because when your time zone happens, nothing's worse than having bad sleep. I think the only thing one worse than having a bad sleep is multiple days of bad sleep, <laughs> back to back to back to back, right? And it just, like, threw off my circadian rhythm, and I just felt like I was behind. Like, I was low-key, man, like, almost in a panic attack because then I started to get, like, certain things started to happen in my business unexpectedly, and my personal life and some of my real estate properties, right? Like, you know, we had to evict the tenant, so I had to go pay another, I had to pay a mortgage, ended up losing a client because the entire company pretty much imploded from a management perspective, how it was managed. And then I'm still traveling around. Like I just was on four continents in seven days, right? So, or three continents in seven days. So I was just like, oh man, man, I was like so overwhelmed with all these things, especially with the podcast. I got a lot of, a bunch of other stuff going on. And then what I realized was like my sleep was really bad and I had to, my sleep was really bad, but was leading to me not working out. So now I'm not moving my body. And I stopped meditating. So it just kind of threw me off. So one thing I did was I just put on my shoes and I just went outside and just started to run because when I run, it helps me clear my thoughts and get you know present with myself. And while I run, I like to journal. And so I was like thinking at first principles, I was like, okay, like between a sprint, like I'll stop and I'll like, okay, I got this idea. And I was like, man, at first principles, what can I do to start to get control of the situation or the the illusion of control? And it was go to bed by X pop period of time, wake up by this period of time. That was it, right? Like I <laughs> go to bed at this time, wake up at this time, run, and like really start mm-hmm. to structure my day like around my sleep and not my sleep around my day because I was on calls at one a.m., two a.m. because in the U.S. So that's what that's kind of what I did to kind of get myself out of that situation and get back into alignment. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely a very important thing. I had years where I was sleep deprived over and over and over. I wasn't changing time zones. It's just my schedule was all over the place doing multiple things part of my problem was not saying no when i probably should have said no but anyway that's a different thing that that we're getting into right now because you talk about sales and you work people with sales and try to grow their sales and i know that we're talking to people that are entrepreneurs people that are at least professional settings and things like that and so sales is something that we come in contact with on a regular basis and it's a struggle for a lot of people too because some people they kind of are more natural sales people and so they can kind of get out there and just kind of make it happen with whatever their charisma and and all that kind of stuff but there's also a science to it and things like that so what are some of the things that you help people with to be able to help with their sales and be able to establish habits and routines around sales i think the first thing is understanding the laws of compounding I think that's super important sales, like compound interest, like, you know, one of the windows of the world, because it's not just about the money side of it, but it's also with like building the skills and doing the little things every single day. Right. Like it's easy to get burnt out in sales. Like you have this big list of leads and you just want to go after it mindlessly when really you should be more intentional. And the name of the game is stay in the game. I like to tell the guys like, yo, like the name of the game is stay in the game and focus out, right? Like really be intentional with every interaction that you're you know you're having and not from a place of taking, but from a place of giving. And if you compound giving, you're also going to receive because you're allowing, you, you know, you're being a person of value, right? So let's backtrack a little bit and kind of unpack that. So in terms of like compounding, it could be something as small as, hey, reach out to these 10 people, 10 new people a day, every single day. If you do that for 30 days, you're more likely to book calls, right? This is how you layer it. So then we layer it on top of that. Okay, reach out to 10 people a day. Reach out to 10 people a day that you try to reach out to, but you couldn't reach out to. So now it's 20 reach out today. 
And then I say at least follow up with one person that you've already even rolled or sold something to every day. Just check back. So, you know, follow up, follow through and follow back. So follow back also with the people that you connected with, because those people are more likely not only to buy from you statistically, but also refer you because the most powerful thing in marketing is word of mouth. So 10 new people a day, 10 follow-ups from people that you couldn't connect with and one touchback with from someone that you've you know already enrolled or you've already they already said no to you just some type of follow back just let people go who said yes or no just always follow up and just check in on them not from a place of I want to sell you something but just literally be interested in what's going on in their life or their business those are some little things that compound over time now if you do that over 300 days man that's 3000 reach outs that's 3000 follow ups and that's 300 follow backs right <laughs> And so the numbers get pretty scary, man. That's just like things that you could do for an hour a day. And so what's some, something that's super cool also about this, man, is that these are things that salespeople really resist the most and the things that they leave behind is the follow-up thing because you get paid on the follow-up. So when you start your day off every day with those three things, it gives you so much momentum going into the rest of your workday, whatever else you have to do in terms of your metrics, with your bosses and things like that. So those are some little things I like to help people out with. Yeah, that sounds good. And you mentioned this earlier too. I think you used the term like micro habit or something to that effect to where it's like just little tiny things that's easy to be able to implement. And it doesn't seem like much in the moment, but as you just demonstrated, it can be able to over a year, it can be like a huge impact over what you do. Because one of the things that I've always heard of a sales is a lot of times it's a numbers game, not just like sales numbers, but it's like you reach out to so many people and you're going to get whatever so many responses back. And out of those responses, you'll get so many people that actually purchase something and and da 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 and so forth, all the different processes. And so the more people that you have at the beginning of the funnel of the process, the more you'll end up having percentage well i mean it, maybe the percentage is the same i don't know but i mean i guess there's things you could probably do to increase the percentage but the more you have at the beginning the more you'll have at the end and so ooh, so this is a good segue man so i think the biggest paradigm shift i do agree the more people you talk to gives you more likelihood of making money and closing a deal but the real deals josh man is going deeper not wider okay right really understanding networking on a very high level will get you those big deals or the velocity behind the deals. There's just like the number one mistake I see salespeople make literally is the follow-up part, right? I didn't get this person on the phone, so I they're, oh well, right? Maybe you not won't get them on the phone the second time. Maybe you won't get them on the phone or email the third time or the fourth time. But like having the resilience and the discipline to keep following up with people every single day is honestly, Josh, this is the reason how I you know did billions of dollars in sales, man. Because I didn't talk to them. It took me three, four, five, six, seven touches over months sometimes to get that person on the phone. But that one deal can change your life, though. That's the crazy part about it. That one interaction can change your life because that person can introduce you to an abundance of people. Right. Or it can be an abundance of deals. It could be a mega deal. So I think the going deeper part is the hard part because it's easy to look past. It's like, oh, the solution to my problem to make more money is I need to talk to more people. No, like how many people do you interact with a day that you can go deeper with, right? Because here's another reason why I love it, man, is maybe you networking with other people doesn't mean that you're going to sell something to them, but maybe they know the right people that have a problem that you can solve and can make introductions for you, right? <laughs> it's like, super, now we're getting into three-dimensional chess here, but now we're getting into networking. 
And you can do that by creating win-win. So something I do all the time is I tell guys like, look, maybe you introduce someone like a prospect, like don't be so consumed with selling them your widget, like talk to them, figure out what's going on in their life. And if you see a gap, try to solve their problem. Maybe it's not your solution. Maybe you need to introduce them to your friend or a guy you met a week ago or the guy you talked to this morning and just create connections and be of value to people. And then those mm-hmm. things like unexpectedly, those people will probably be reciprocal and introduce you to other people who are looking for what you have. And that literally just happened, man. And just recently for me, right, for a deal that I'm in the middle of closing, right? I went into this conversation with no strings attached. And I left out with it with them having more clients because I introduced them to some people. They introduced me to someone who needed some salespeople right away because they're in the middle of scaling. So it turned out mm-hmm. to be a win-win. And I wouldn't have seen that on the surface if I wasn't willing to go deeper, right? So it's just some some game, and I think it's super important. And, you know, the little things. It's the little things, man. Yeah, I think that's really important. And for me, I've historically, I mean, things have changed here in the last several years as I've started my own business and things like that and get into it. But prior to that, I always had an aversion to sales or anything related to sales or marketing. And so I've had to grow quite a bit in there. So what are some things that I'm sure you've come across people in those situations. So what are some things that you do to help people take that first step to be able to do that? Because to someone that hasn't done it or they're, they have an aversion to it, like 10 reach outs, that's like massive to some people. So how can you help people make that first step? Okay, this is great, man. Let's reframe it from reach outs to just talk to 10 people, right? Okay. It doesn't need need to be like, hey, I am Joe Schmo and I want to sell you something. Or would you be interested in my widget? It can be finding where your ideal customer... Can I tell a quick story, like a short story that I think will land with the audience? Yeah. So I'm here in Qatar, Montenegro right now, right? And there's this beautiful fortress, right? That goes up this mountain that you have to climb up. And me and my girlfriend, we ended up climbing up this mountain, up this fortress. And along the way, this lady asked us if we wanted some water. I thought she was one of the tourists. I was like, I'm good. I don't know where that water came from, right? Even though I was thirsty, I was like, I can make it. I think I can make it to the top because I think I'm almost there. I was not almost there. (laughs) So when I got to the top, guess what the first thing I seen, Joshua, when I got to the top? Water? I don't know. I seen a sign that says water in drinks. (laughs) And then I look around and everyone's drinking all the water and all this lady's drinks. And I'm like, all right, I'll take that water now because I'm pretty thirsty. And she charged five times the price I could have gotten the water at the bottom of the hill because she was in the right place at the right time solving a problem. So the reason I wanted to tell that story was I was like, man, that's just a perfect example of sales. And that's just business. Like you're literally just putting your cooler at the top of the fortress when people are hiking up this mountain and you're giving them either I'm more than willing to pay for that. Right. So when I tell guys, it's like, look, like sometimes you just need to find the right room, the right group, the right forum. You know, where are all your ideal customers? Are Are they at trade shows? Are they at conventions? Are they in masterminds? Are they in Facebook groups? Are they listening to podcasts? Are they following a certain hashtag? Are they on TikTok, you know, with, you know, listening to music? Like, are they in retail stores? Like, where's your customer? Like, where's the traffic of where your customers are that are going to experience a certain need and just meet them where they are? Right now, getting to that space, if you don't know that space, if you're like, man, I don't have no idea where all my customers are concentrating, then the best thing to do is just go out and just talk to people, right? And try to find other like-minded people. It sounds super silly, but LinkedIn, in my opinion, is one of the most powerful tools in the world if you use it correctly. There's so many people on LinkedIn right now that are just trying to push and sell their thing to people and get on calls. And they're really doing the true numbers game of like, I'm going to try to sell to the 50 connections I can make a day, 
when really all you need to do is just find other people who serve your customers. Oh, man, I, this is some A1 game I'm giving Josh here, dude. You just mm-hmm. got to find if you don't know where your customers are, are aggregating or where they're you know congregating, then you just find like, OK, who else is serving my clients? Are bookkeepers serving my clients? Are mortgage brokers serving my clients? Are payroll guys who sell software serve my clients? Do guys who sell office equipment serve my clients? Do social media managers serve my clients? Do marketing people serve my clients? Do sales recruiters serve my clients? And just start with those number of people and just simply connect with them in a very general, like, hey, I see that we serve some of the same people. I would love to be of value in some type of way and connect with you. And those, I bet you 50% to 70% of those people will accept your request. And probably 30% of those people will engage in some type of dialogue with you. And then all you're just networking. Hey, can I get to know you? What do you sell? Like, how do you sell? What problems do you solve? They're going to ask you, what problems do you solve? They know what problem you solve. Now you know what problem they solve. Now you know what you do? You go talk to other verticals. You build this network of all these people who solve these different problems. Now when you approach your client or your prospective customers, you can just be a problem solver. Right. And not attached to they have to buy my stuff right now, because if you play the long game, the networking game, it's going to compound because word of mouth is the most powerful thing. As long as you mm-hmm. oh man, it gets, this is getting deep, but just really just quick summary. So essentially either find where your customers are and just hang out there and engage with them or find people who are also serving your customers and network with them from a place of abundance. Right. Of being mm-hmm. of service, being of value. So those are the two things I think easily 10 reach outs a day, man. I mean, I think doing that is pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, that sounds really good. And it's relatively simple, at least. And I mean, it's really not that difficult either to be able to execute, to be able to find where those people are. It takes a few minutes or whatever to be able to try to find some of those other providers that you can be able to reach out to. And like you said, LinkedIn can be a great place to be able to do that. You can easily search by industry and different things like that to be able to find, okay, what companies are doing this? Okay, what people at those companies would be the right people to reach out to and then just send a message, just connect. And yeah, that would be, it's like really good advice. And so (laughs) it's so easy. If you compound that, it's like, you're going to come across a deal. Right. Because it's because you don't know what you don't know. and You don't know what other people know. You don't know who other people know as well. Right. Yeah. And to me, the long tail, the long game is way better than just trying to burn scorch earth sales approach. I honestly, that stuff triggers me and I don't think it's scalable. And I think businesses who rely on that for customer acquisition will eventually close their doors because they're playing the short game. They're not playing the long game. That's just my personal opinion. And I've seen it happen multiple times. (laughs) And thinking about it, so I've heard this before about like being able to be that connector. So I've heard that before, but sometimes I, I haven't always applied it. But when I think about myself in like the shoes of the consumer, there's been a couple of times that I went to a business, they didn't have what I needed, but they are like, hey, we don't have this. But if you go over to this store, they can be able to get you what you need. And it seems counterintuitive, like, like you said, I mean, because like they're sending business to somebody else instead of them's like, here, well, you could take this and it'll work for they're, they're like, no, okay, what you need is over here. And but what happens is I go over there, I get that. But then also I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I really like that place because they're not just trying to get my money. They're trying to actually help. And so then next time I have a need, it's like, okay, I want to go there even though maybe there's other places I could go, but that's the place I want to go because I know that they're helpful. They want to help people, not just take money. Yeah, and you're probably like, dude, I'm a big guy on service. Like I will pay, like I love taking care of people who take care of me, 
right? Like, man, like that's why I love going to the same restaurants. It's like, yo, these are my guys. They give me my food fresh. Like, I'm a tip them. I don't care how much this restaurant is because I'm having a pleasurable experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm certain if I go to this place, I'm going to get a positive outcome. Certainty, right? Mm-hmm. This gets really savage. But, you know, with people who tell me no, like a lot of people who hate sales, I literally had dinner with this lady, my guy who's in town as well, his girlfriend. She was like, yo, I hate sales. She's a support agent, right? Support manager, right? R- runs a support team. And I was like, why? She was like, well, I hate being told no. And like, that's the most common thing I hear from people not in sales or people who really have resistance. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, like, you know, the stories that we create around hearing no is pretty amazing. Like sometimes we hear not right now or I need to think about it. Like no one really says just no, right? Like if you really think about it and then the people who do say flat out no, my favorite thing to do, and this is Savage Josh, and this is for the audience here, is I figure out, like, I will just focus on what they want. So, for instance, I use this, for example, for podcasting. Like, I don't think I'd be a good fit to be a guest of your pod. I don't think you'd be a good fit to be a guest on my pod. I'm like, okay, great. Well, what kind of podcast are you looking to get on? Or what kind of guests are you looking for? And then I'll connect them to their guest, right? Like, if a client, a prospect told me, like, no, I don't think you're a good fit. Okay, great. Hey, no worries. I have a big network of people. I would love to introduce you to someone who like, what are you looking for exactly? So I turned the no into a referral or into a connection. I'd be a value to that person in a yeah. way. Ooh, yeah. Right. It's like a reframe. It's like coming from a place of abundance. Like they didn't say no to solving their problem. They just said no to me and that's okay. But maybe I can use this relationship or this connection to still create value in this connection somehow. Yeah. And that just reminded me too of another principle or whatever I've heard of is that, I mean, not everybody is your ideal client and you're not everybody's ideal thing. And so, I mean, that's why there's different restaurants. That's why there's different stores because they appeal to different people. I might prefer McDonald's and you're a Burger King guy. I I don't know. I have no idea, but I mean, it's like they essentially kind of the same. They're fast food burger places. They have burgers, they have chicken, they have fries and drinks, and they're about the same, but there is some difference in taste. There is some difference in kind of the attitude and atmosphere and different things like that might be a little bit different. And so you might prefer one over the other, and that applies over a lot of different things. So just because someone says no to you, like you said, I mean, if they're saying no to you, then that's probably an indication they might not be the best person for you to be working with anyway, because there could be issues down the road that they're trying to avoid. And it's actually a benefit to you to not have to worry about those issues as well. So yeah. Yeah. I really like this. It's interesting because kind of going back to some of the things we talked about at the beginning about like those micro habits, just these little things. And a lot of times it's the things that we already know that we should be doing, but we're not doing because we don't see the value in it because maybe it's too small, it's too little or something like that. And but we're missing out on the benefits because it builds. So another thing that I'm thinking of is my daughter, she's in kindergarten and seems really monotonous and very repetitive of going through all the different sounds that the letters make and how to be able to combine them into the blends and phonics and all those different things. And then all the little repeating over one plus one is two and one plus two and going through all those little things. It seems like really minute and, and tedious And it's like, well, I mean, of course we should know this. I mean, this is basic, but for that person, it's not, it's a little simple thing and they start building and it's just a slow build. So you look at the beginning of the kindergarten year and the end of the kindergarten year, there's a big difference. Okay. Now they're starting to read. Now they're able to start to actually do math and different things like that. And so, and that's the way it is with what we're talking about here with sales. It's like, 
there could be a big difference. You're just implementing these little things that don't seem like they add up, but they're laying that groundwork and it can start to build and then maybe even grow into a hockey stick. Yeah, man, because one thing about sales is you can't read. It's like you can read as many books, watch a bunch of videos, go to all the seminars, do all the training, do all the role play. But you really don't learn sales until you get your hands dirty, get in the trenches and start doing the things. And like how your daughter is with one plus one. Now she's doing a thousand times a thousand at the end of the year or something like that is because you're getting better. So the 10 reach outs that you do at the end of the year is going to be totally different than the 10 that you did when you first started, because you might have some intelligence on when's the best time to call. How should my tone and my energy be? What are the great words? What's the best cadence? Who are the best clients? Because maybe you found out that these kind of clients, a lot easier kind of conversation than these kind of clients, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. the, Even the 10 that you do are going to be way more impactful than the 10 that you started off with. So I think that was a great point in terms of like progress and getting better. Because I, I do agree that it does happen in sales. Yeah, I love that. I love the way this conversation has gone. Um, so as we wrap it up, is there anything else that you think is important for someone to understand to be able to get going with this or maybe we've laid all the groundwork already so what would be maybe at the next step that someone could take just to keep it really simple i think uh, obviously sleep is super important prioritizing sleep i also believe that really just when in doubt focus out so whenever you have fear or you're doubting yourself I think the best thing to do is focus on how can you be a value to other people and just remind yourself of that, even when you're in conversation with people in sales. Like you're not there to push your agenda, but you're there to really just connect with another human being. And once you st- and have empathy, so if you can master those things, like when in doubt, focus out, and then just be consistent in terms of like your reach out, like you'll, the sky is the limit on, on what you can create for yourself and your business. All right. I love that. So what would be the best way for someone to be able to get a hold of you they want to have, if they have any other questions or they just want to learn more about you. Yeah, you can go to, um, I guess you can check, oh, check out the podcast, campfirecapitalism.com. You can also reach me at www.desmonddixon.com. So that's D-E-S-M-O-N-D-D-I-X-O-N. And you can book a call with me there if you want to kind of explore some possibilities. I'm also willing to also give out all my training for free. I have a bunch of documents, a bunch of videos. I love giving my vault out. So just go to emergencyselstactics.com and you can get redirected to just opting in. And then you get access to literally hours of content of sales stuff. So yeah, go ahead and check it out. Awesome. Sounds good. I'll make sure to have links in the show notes as well. So you can be able to uh, swipe over or, or go to the show notes and get those links as well to make it easy. All right. Well, thank you, Desmond. I appreciate you have coming on and sharing all this stuff. Oh, this is fun, Josh. Thanks for having me, man. Make sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast in your podcast player of choice so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or comments or you want more productivity resources, visit crushingtheclock.com. I would love to hear from you. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Crushing the Clock.